data-driven, ambitious, and love all things marketing? I'm Emma. I've dabbled in all marketing channels in my career. And my passion? Providing my team with the tools to be the superstars. So, I'm making a podcast to share everything I've learned along the way, from my bachelor's internships to early career in marketing to becoming head of international marketing by age 29. Plus, everything I wish my 20-year-old self had known. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, get your snacks ready to go, and let's do this. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to this. Firstly, if you are one of my new listeners in the last couple of weeks, thank you, hello, it's not gonna noticed. I have seen you all in my numbers, so thank you. If you are a new listener, there is a whole bunch of other podcasts that I've recorded previously that I recommend you go and listen to, especially the one that I recorded pretty much at the beginning, which was on making a marketing plan, and it's one of my most downloaded to date, and it seems to be the one that is helping the most people the most regularly. So I recommend going and listening to that. Now, Today we are going to talk about my mini course which is my marketing plan masterclass and before I get into going through the topics and the and the different sections and the different sessions that I've recorded I really wanted to just talk to you guys candidly about why I have done this course and I have been in marketing now I keep saying 8 years but it's actually now I'm 31 it's been a good 10 years And throughout my time, I have seen a whole bunch of different marketing in terms of techniques, in terms of managers, in terms of marketing plans themselves across, as you all know, a whole host of different industries from FMCG, which is fast moving consumer goods. Yes, I didn't know what FMCG stood for until I went for an interview at Grenade and they said that word to me 15 times in the interview. And I was like, I don't even know what FMCG means in sports, in the NFL, in the NBA, in Edgebasson, in cricket, but also in the B2B world. Um, What else have I done? Is that all my experience? But I guess in my very early years when I was doing stuff over in Australia as well as America. And throughout my whole sort of 10 years, there's two really big things that I found when a marketing team is successful and when a marketing manager is successful and it's two really main areas one is them being a good leader so not just being a good marketing manager in the fact that they have the skills but do they have those soft skills to be able to be a leader that everybody looks to that they can go to for advice for help to make sure that everybody in the whole team is pulling in the same direction because one of the big things that you see in marketing is you have these incredible talented people say in social in paid social in influencers but they're all so great in their own channel and they're working in silo because that's their job right their job is influencer marketing or paid social or google and that is what their sole focus is and you as a marketing manager your real craft is to be the glue and be that shining light or that like north star that everybody looks for that allows everybody to pull together to be working to the same goal and to be having no silos to be cross communicating and that's when I've seen really amazing things happen in terms of viral marketing campaigns or just really solid revenue or record Black Fridays and that's because that one person is 
as I said, being the glue that holds everybody together and making sure that everybody is on the same path and that nobody is looking at their channel as more important or different goals or trying to get all of the attribution to their channels, as lovely as that would be. And so you have that side, which is, you know, being a good leader. And the other side is literally sitting down and be able to create a marketing plan. And I think that over the years, the marketers that I've, I've met that have been more junior than me or more senior than me, it doesn't matter where you are in your stage, sitting down to write a marketing plan or a campaign plan or a launch plan can be extremely daunting if you've not done it before or if you're doing it in a different subject. So say if you've always done product launches but now you need to do something completely different that's not even a product, it's a service and having just a starting point on knowing where to even begin because your marketing plan not only makes or breaks a campaign, it makes or breaks the whole team's performance over the year. It is absolutely pivotal. It is the main point in the whole marketing team because that should be what everybody goes to as a reference. It's their holy grail. It's the thing that leads everything and it's the thing that outtrumps everything. So when you get new people in or when you get people that are really, really stressed or you know, you're know you gonna you're gonna have all of these road bumps along the way and whilst things will come up where you need to do reactive marketing if you have a really solid proactive marketing plan in the background which is sort of the pillar that everybody goes to it can really just help be that real stable solid thing throughout the year so if you have a global pandemic thrown at you if you have half of your team leave you if you have you never even know if you have a big big thing in your industry that's then going to shift everything it doesn't mean that the whole ground is going to go. You can go back to your marketing plan and be like, okay, what can we keep? What needs to go? What needs to move? And your marketing plan is meant to be agile, right? It's not meant to be like, okay, I've made this for the year and this is it. This is the only thing that we're going to do. In fact, I don't necessarily do my whole marketing plans for the year. The longest I usually look at is six months just because of the type of businesses that I've worked in. We always like to sort of keep that fluidity going. And so I like to plan in advance. I know that there is some industries such as universities or the really, really big corporates where they have the same things week in, week out, where they like to have that year. Hey, I would love to have a year marketing plan and stick to it. It's not quite the same in the sort of areas where I've worked in, which have been a lot more entrepreneurial and a lot more startup based where we need to be a bit more flexible. But But no matter what industry I've ever worked in, it has the same foundations in the fact that if you have a good marketing manager or a great marketing manager or head of marketing or marketing director, one of those three, it needs to be your pillar. And if you are junior at the moment and you want to get to a marketing manager you can be the world's best marketing manager, even if your head of marketing and your marketing director are not great. If you have the skills to be a great leader and to be able to create a marketing plan, no matter what the industry or the task, I firmly believe that is going to help you. It's going to decrease your stress levels. It's going to give you the confidence to be a good leader because you have a good marketing plan behind you. And I know that I've literally just been on my soapbox for seven minutes about (laughs) marketing plans, and I'm probably going to cut this down a bit, but I really just think that this is just an accumulation of my 10 years. And yes, it's some things that I learned in textbooks. No, it's not everything that I learned in textbooks. It's probably not 
the same way that everybody does a marketing plan. In fact, I know it's not. And I've purposely not gone back and looked at any theories or anything because I really want this to be the authentic way that I build my marketing plans, which is just a product of my environment of the last 10 years. And this is genuinely how I create my marketing plans, whether it is a campaign launch, whether it's a product launch, whether it's a six month marketing plan, whether it's looking at a new country strategy, whether it's looking at a whole new audience I've never looked at, I go back to this time and time again because it really just helps me to put the right things in place to ensure that I'm gonna get success in my marketing plans. And why should you trust me, right? I never like to be that sort of, what's the opposite of humble? Oh God, you're all doing that thing where you like shout at the podcast host because I can't remember a word. But I'm never one to sort of talk about what I've done, but this has helped get into huge, huge brands that we never would have got into. It's helped to get a 100% increase in revenue. I've doubled lead. I have created marketing strategies for over 12 different countries and I have had record sales and ticket sales and had award nominations from my marketing plans. And that is sort of me just chucking out a couple of things I can remember within my last 10 years across a whole range of different roles. So hopefully that is enough. (laughs) Enough. But yes, I really made this this course for if you want to take the next step in your career to becoming that confident, successful marketing manager, it will take you through how to create a comprehensive marketing plan for whatever your industry and whoever your target audience is. Now, I have designed this course to be taken in one day because I know people have precious time and I know that you just want to get through it. The running time is two and a half hours and it whizzes you through everything from how to set up things, different channel menu boards, and my real life templates at the end so that you can hit the ground running with your new marketing plan. Now, of course, my lovely podcast listeners, I am gonna take you through this so you can get a sneak and a bit of a head start. And also, if you don't wanna take the course yet, that's absolutely fine. I wanna still give you the tools that people within the course will have so that you can get some help from this podcast today. So let's get started. It starts with setting you up for success. So quick look at the just headlines of setting you up for success, which is where are you currently with your marketing? So include a look at your organic, your page, your own channels, your monthly and your yearly. Take the time to be honest. What's the good, the bad and the ugly? As marketers, we love to spin the positive light on whatever we are doing, but you need to have a real honest look here. Check out some of your analysis. So I go into different ways about how you can do this, even if you don't pay for an an analytics tools and a current resource check, which is fundamental. How much time, money and people do you have? Now, that is sort of a real whistle stop tour of the very first section. I'm literally going through this with you as I'm reading down it. We then look at your, we go into basically all of those areas and then look at your overall marketing mission and objectives. Now, if you want to get a bit more into the nitty gritty, I want to say, of those sections, then go and listen to that podcast, which is making a marketing plan because it will help you. But what I really wanted to spend time on today and and talk to you all about is section two which is picking your channels because I think that 
if you come from a, if you've learned from a specific marketing manager, right, you're, or you've been in a specific industry, your channels that you pick for your marketing plan are gonna be what you've learned or what you've seen, or it might just be that classic because this is the channels that we've always picked. But what I am in trying to do with section two, which is picking your channels, is show the huge breadth of channels that we have as marketing managers, which every time you sit down to create a marketing plan, you should be like, what am I going to pick today? What's it going to be? Do not just copy and paste your old marketing plan and use those channels because that's what you've always done. Because things like influencer marketing wouldn't be a thing. People would still be just doing classic sponsorships. People wouldn't have necessarily put content as a huge pillar within marketing channels now, thanks to the likes of TikTok and Reels and how people love that mini engaging content. People are shifting a lot more from just having classic advertising channels in their marketing plans to ensuring that we have a whole suite of content themes throughout our marketing. So this one is my most, I'm just so excited about this one because I go into all of the different details. So I'm gonna do that right now, starting with content channels. Have you got your pen and paper ready? These are the options that you've had when you are trying to generally grow your community and create organic kinds of content. So within your marketing plan, these are the options that you have. You've got Pinterest, you've got blogging. Side note, you must enjoy writing if you like blogging. I tried to start a blog, realized I absolutely hate writing and it failed. So make sure that when you are writing your marketing plans, you have either somebody in your team that will be able to do these skills or you are confident in doing them because there is nothing worse than putting a channel in your plan, but nobody's actually gonna be able to to do it, have the skills or be able to follow through. I learned the hard way definitely on that one. You've also got TikTok. So if you are in millennials or Gen Zs or now we're getting into the Gen X kind of space, you need to put that in your your marketing plan hands down. We've got Instagram, of course. We've got LinkedIn, a must if you're B2B. We've also got the classic Facebook, but I wouldn't really have that in. I wouldn't probably advise anybody to have that in there marketing plans anymore because it is atrocious let me just check on the dog oh that's all right he's playing outside or we've got what did i got to instagram yep so instagram real specifically influencers so if you are b2c generally as a rule you need to have some kind of influencers in there which i spoke about in my last podcast and then the other one of course my favorite i think it's easy it's simple and it's effective and it is becoming more and more world renowned especially within the uk and the us can you guess what it is podcasting i have put influencers in this one even though generally speaking the other ones are mostly you can do them all for free obviously with influencers that's one that you could have a cost towards it so That's a look at the ones that are under content channels. Now let's go into digital channels. And your digital channels, so your digital menu board, let's say, are generally conversion-based and you get quicker results than with your content or community building menu. You get quicker results, but they are generally more expensive because you have to pay. So in here, we've got Pinterest paid. I go into all of the specific headlines that I'm talking to you about like the good and the bad and one thing that I want to say is every single 
channel that I advise is something that I have experienced myself. And so it's my personal experience within these channels. I've not just written these cha- these channels down because I've learned about them in a textbook. And I really think that that's important because it really guides how I think about these channels. Okay, next we've got email marketing, which is incredible. I think it's undervalued because so many people that use it for spamming, but from a lead generation point of view, from a nurture, from just special offers, from content, I think it's a really valuable one. If you're product and e-com in one, it's a no-brainer. Affiliates, so where you give a percentage of your profit, but you get placed and named in other areas. Then you've got SEO, which is not a quick win, but it is digital, so I've put it in there, and that is definitely for long-term results. And then PPC, so PPC is pay-per-click. Pay-per-click could be search, it could be display, it could be video, it could be you know, like in Gmail where it has like promotions and emails. So there's a whole host of different things. Generally speaking, it's on Google, but I have done it on Bing before. Bing is quite a good one if you are targeting the US. I wouldn't really recommend if you're doing it in the UK. So that's the digital menu board. We've still got quite a few to go. Okay, next we've got mass. So mass I love, but mass you're gonna need a bigger budget. So uh, because generally these are the most expensive kinds of marketing and they get lots of eyes, but they are less targeted, but they can carry a type of prestige or trust that comes with these bigger places. So you've got your classic billboards, you've got your subways or your underground if you're in a big city like New York or London, but the price tags, you're looking at a 50 grand starting rate if you want to get any sort of traction within a four to six week period. Sponsorship, so it's a bit more of the classic kind of sponsoring versus influencers, but you could do something with this that's less about just putting your brand name somewhere and more about how can you create an experience or an activation around that sponsorship to maximize it. So I definitely think there's still a place for sponsorship within your marketing plans. Then we've got print. So print is your magazines, your newspapers. Then we've just got transport in general. So buses, trains, trams, taxis. That's really more relevant if you're going to do a city takeover. So Gymshark, they wrapped trams before and they did a city takeover. I've seen really cool movies, rap buses in London before. I think there is a time and a place for it. But again, you are talking mega bucks for that kind of marketing. So you're going to need a big, big marketing plan, maybe half a million at least, if you're even going to be considering mass marketing. Just looking at my dog, very unprofessional. I'm trying to find him. And then the final one for mass marketing, mass is digital screens. So these can be really good if you're in a high footfall area, such as shopping centers, town centers, etc. I would use these if you have a brand that is just more general and less of a niche audience. So food brands, drinks brands, anything like that, or if you've got a really big event coming in, that's a local event where you can maximize mass areas where you're gonna get value for your money, I would recommend these types of things. If you've got a really niche audience and you've got a smaller budget, don't even look at mass channels as even adding it as to part of your marketing channels, marketing mix, because it's just not worth it. Okay, we've still got two more menu boards to go. So events, let's get into what I mean by events. And there's more than you would think for events, that's for sure. Now, I wanna say here that I have learned the hard way with events because I have done events where you are, I've been responsible for the footfall as well as the actual activations at the event as well. And that's really, really tricky because you've got that extra pressure of 
you need to market for footfall, but then you also need to market the actual event and make sure that there's really, really cool stuff going on. And if you don't have an events team, the marketing team, it falls on. There is extra pressure and I do want to say that now and I go into different examples of it, but I want to talk to you about the six different types of events that you could put in your marketing plans. So you have pop-ups. Now, these are awesome, right? This A pop-up can make or break your brand. It can leave you as an absolute... <laughs> marketing legend is that such a thing in your company and it could be the pivotal point in your year every time I've done a pop-up it's the absolute highlight of our marketing plans and and the year and generally most of the company because it's a really really big thing and you can create your own experience and that's why they're my favorite because you can go to a whole different place where you've never been you can build something that is authentically your brand and it can be everything that embodies every kind of person within the marketing team everybody gets involved from your designers to your copywriters to your content producers to your videographers to your branders to just everybody to your paid social to get the footfall it's just a huge huge team effort and it can be really authentically you your brand but it is probably one of the most expensive if you are going to do a pop-up I just want to say that try and do your pop-up somewhere that has got generally naturally a, a higher footfall so you don't need to worry about getting people there unless you're a brand such as Nike where you just have that power already so I'm thinking of more of your smaller brands where you don't have the power just to click your fingers and do that the next one is B2B events. So generally speaking, your B2B events could be something like a breakfast or a dinner. And these ones are a bit more normal, but just think exclusivity, VIP. How can you make it different from the norm? Sports events. So I love these, but make sure you remember what I said on the previous slide about sponsorship. Try and make this a bit more of an activation kind of area versus just sponsoring hosted so this is where you're not responsible for the footfall so a good example of this could be an exhibition so if you're b2b there could be exhibitions within your industry that you go to in big big places it could be a conference it could be a festival but the most important thing here is two things one you're not responsible for the footfall so that's awesome but two who is the audience going so you want to look for big events that are hosted where your desired footfall is going anyway and therefore it could be a really cool thing for you to do. Now, here's a little tip. If it is super expensive to go into the event, what can you do around it? Can you just think during that time within the city, is there something that you can do, whether it's just simply digitally disrupting? So making sure that you're all over paid social for that time or putting triple your budget into your geographical and demographical targeting within that area whilst you know that you've got a big hub of people or could you do something really cool outside where people are going to see your brand so don't get discouraged if it's like a £30,000 entry fee to the exhibition you can't get in I definitely think there's some things that you could explore there the next event which is one of my favorites is doing an influencer exclusive event now I like this because it's easier in terms of people logistics, right? You're not worried about the footfall, but what comes with the bonus of making an influencer exclusive event is that you're gonna get so many eyeballs on your event from then 
sharing it on social and I just really love it from a terms of a brand exposure point of view but also just an ease of organizing event because you're not worried about copious amounts of the public coming but you know that your audience is going to see it because of your influencers coming so it's definitely one of my favorite less stressful events to organize and then the final event is a product launch so Think about your time and location for your target audience on this. And what I mean is if you're doing a product launch and it's going to be something really, really cool and you're inviting the press that are your business press are interested in this specific niche, you need to make sure that it is attractive for them to come. So they're not going to come at 6pm on a Thursday evening. You need to make it 4pm in a central location where they can easily come to. And when we did a press event, we did the press launch on a Wednesday at 4 30 in London and we had pretty much 90% of people turn out for it because we made it something that was really like it was a really cool event there was so many awesome things there but also that just the timing and everything made it that it was attractive for them to come within their work day we weren't asking them to take time out of their evenings and why should they because for them it's their work so really think about that which is a good top tip for events okay and my final one also I was listening back to a podcast, which I never do, but I can't decide if I just speak really fast or I have the playback on like 1x. So I am really sorry if I'm speaking really, really fast. I think it's, I think I just speak fast, but then it says playback 1-0 in my editing software and I am a one-man band. So I'm not really sure. Last but not least, for choosing what channels are going to go into your marketing plan, we have earned. So earned is not promised but it can elevate your campaign or your marketing or whatever it is to an epic new level. So there's a couple of things that you can do here. One is PR. PR is press. And when I say PR, we're going to start with niche. So that really depends on your product or services. But let me give you an example. If your audience or your product or your niche is senior business leaders, then one of your niche PRs could be the Financial Times. If you are FMCG, so if you're fast moving consumer good then if it's a protein bar let's just say for example your niche press could be the grocer and that's because you know that all of your buyers and account managers are reading the grocer and so that's where you need to submit your press releases to you never know right if your thing is that cool but make sure that it's got a story angle you can't just put marketing in press they're never going to pick it up the next one is gifting influencers so I like to call this surprise and delight and you never know, right? You're not going to pay these people. So it's not like they're on your books, they have to share. But you will be surprised how many times we sent out product in a really nice, amazing, cool PR package and people featured it because it was cool and they got it. And especially this is better than more niche audiences because if people within your audience are not used to receiving gifts very often, they're more likely to share it. So definitely that's one way that you can do it obviously you can't like demand them to post it but they could very well share it on their social just because it's super cool the next one is guest i've put guesting which i think i've made up but it's basically from something to offering to guest blog for somebody on their site to offering to be a guest on somebody's podcast to writing something for a publication now you can be really strategic with this So you can look at other people within your field and don't think of them as competitors. Think of them as contributors and they are going to have an audience that is similar to your audience. And so offering to 
be a guest on their podcast could be open more doors from you I was a guest podcaster on a fellow marketing podcast and I got listeners from going on their podcast they wanted to listen to more of me so thank you if you're one of those ones so it's definitely in your interest to guess but obviously everybody's time is limited but this could be easier if you have a team around you so I always put it in as a sort of aim to do and the final one is user generated content so this is where it's not necessarily a celebrity or an influencer that is creating content for you but it's just a member of the public but I really like this one because word of mouth marketing is gold dust and so really trying to encourage that user generated content can really help. With some brands it comes really, really organically but with other brands you might need to put it as a staple in your marketing plan and then think of ways what you can encourage more user generated content. It could be creating something that is like trying to be a trend or you could do a specific product or an exclusive or something where people want to get involved and be a part of the brand story online. And yeah, while people do this naturally, don't get misconstrued. Marketing managers put this as a specific line in their marketing plan. So don't just think it just happens and why is it not happening for your brand? If this is something that it should like be a focus and, it, and hopefully it is in yours, put it as a line in your marketing plan so that you can come up with tactics on how to do this. So that is what we I would say is like the main course the main course of the course it's the meaty bit and it's got all of the good stuff in there then I finish up with getting organized so I give you my real life marketing plan template my budget sheet my creative and copy and an organic content plan as well which you can download and keep forever and then I round off with my top tips for long-term success and I think this is so important because marketing plans are long term generally yeah you could do a campaign for six weeks but then once that six weeks is up you're like oh my god I need to create another marketing plan and so there's a couple of things that I think that have helped me continually be a good marketing manager get to head of marketing by age 29 as I say in my intro even though I'm 31 now so I should really really redo my intro but there's a couple of things and I'll just share a few with you now so hopefully they help you every Monday I have a weekly marketing call and I have that about mid-morning so I'm not that annoying boss that has it at like 9am on a Monday but the main sort of tool that I use for that marketing meeting is my marketing plan and that is very very deliberate because it needs to be the center of our our work and so everybody can see what we're doing this week and if we need to change anything and then everybody goes off and in within their departments can make sure that they're working on the right thing I also make sure I get feedback from the team does how I'm doing this work is there something that I could do differently does it help them specifically within their channel answer everything that they need because each department is going to have a slightly different need and so you need to be make sure that you're getting that feedback make sure you get your monthly stats so that really helps because you could create the world's best marketing plan in your head but if the stats are not showing if you need to make sure that you're doing corrective action now you need to give them the channels a chance it could be at least a month two months three months while you're giving a channel a go but if the results are coming back and it's not working you need to look at what you need to change to do it and I really encourage putting in new channels into your marketing plan 
every time you do new marketing plans, but you just need to make sure that you are monitoring your stats and not just doing it without looking at the results because you could go on for a year with a really, really bad channel plan and they're not working and it might not be resonating. And I would say that 20% of the marketing channels that we use don't work, but it's good to test because then from off the back of that, we have 80% of good channels that are working. And you need to block time in your calendar so that you have time to do this admin because you are probably getting pulled in 50 million directions. And if you don't have time to look at the plan, to forward think, to change things as they're coming up, then that is doing your team absolutely no favors and if you don't have a team and you're just writing a marketing plan for you it's doing you no favors and you need to remember that you are in charge of your own time and so I make sure I block out one to two hours a week where I'm doing this kind of stuff and that changes I've probably said different different times on different podcasts but I have a specific block in my calendar that is for this kind of thing because it's really, really important because as I said at the beginning, you're the glue. So if you don't have time to be the glue, then everybody looks to you and you're not only affecting your work, but everybody else's. And things change, as I mentioned. So make sure you update when things change. Don't just leave in what was gonna what was gonna be. Change it to what it is gonna be because that will help when you're coming to analytics and going, oh, we did this in June. What what actually was it? And when you're looking back year on year, you can be like, oh, this is what we did. So that's really, really important. And then I do big quarterly all staff meetings. So whilst we have the weekly, this is like just a quick round table. We have the quarterly where we sit down, we review, we look at everything, we look at what's coming up and that's a really good time to get input from your team. Don't just think that as a marketing manager, it all lands to you to come up with the marketing plans. Listen to your team. I'm sure you've got incredible people within there that might be able to give you different advice and their take on things. And it should really be a collaborative process, especially because when you're writing these marketing plans, you're going to have their channels within it. And so it's a complicated, layered document. There's a better word than document. I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but it's it's complicated and you can't just go and be like, right, this is it and expect really amazing results. Trust the people within their channels that they are going to give you some really good insight. And so just giving that space and that time allocated, even no matter how busy things can be so fundamental to making it a success for the next quarter. So I'm going to put the link to the course within this show notes. This is the only place that you can get it at the moment. And so I really want my podcast listeners to be the first to get it if they want to do it. There's also a surprise at the end of the course, which I will not tell you because I get really excited when people get to the end of the course and see it and they hopefully um, think it's really cool. So I hope that I just wanted to give you sort of some value in this podcast and, and, and help you and and say that you're not alone if you're sat down and thinking, oh my God, I have to write a marketing plan or oh my God, I have to write a campaign plan and I don't know where to start. Trust me, when I did this six years ago now, I think I wrote my first one, I was like, oh my goodness. And my plans have come so far since then. I look back now and I'm like, I don't even know how we muddled through. And every time I write a new marketing plan, I learn something new. So It's a continually learning process. You are not alone. Everybody goes through this. And hopefully this mini course will help. But if you don't want the mini course, then please go and listen to one of the first podcasts I recorded. As I said, it's about making a marketing plan and there's some definite nuggets that will help you in there. But until then, I'll be back in 
two weeks for something completely different. We're going to do a completely different subject, obviously on marketing still, but still something different, which I am going to think of hopefully today. So I will catch you all then. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to my Marketing Nuggets podcast. I've been your host, Emma, and I will catch you next time. Bye for now.